You are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m. Thursday, November 10th. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. Could this be a case of be careful what you wish for? As Kevin McCarthy is poised to become Speaker of the House, the California Report looks at how the apparent lack of a sweeping GOP victory in Congress could make his term less than triumphant. Were you ready when snow arrived early? KVMR's Julia Jem talks to Nevada County folks about how they're prepping for winter. We end with an essay by Molly Fisk. This is the California Report. I'm Mari Bolaños in San Francisco. It looks like Republicans will be in the majority in the House of Representatives come January. Bakersfield Republican Kevin McCarthy is expected to become Speaker. But as KQED politics editor Scott Schaefer reports, his path forward is far from clear. As the polls closed Tuesday night, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy told his caucus they would soon be in the majority. But the GOP celebration was put on ice as that red wave failed to materialize, leaving McCarthy's future in doubt. A narrow majority for McCarthy means he'll be much, much more dependent on Trump's strongest supporters because he won't have any other options for putting together a voting majority on the the legislation that he wants. That's Dan Schnur. He teaches political communications at USC and UC Berkeley. He says although Republicans apparently failed to win a sweeping victory, McCarthy has positioned himself to fulfill his longtime dream of becoming speaker. Unlike some speakers in the past, he's less of a a policy specialist or ideologue, but is much more a relationship builder, and it clearly has served him well within the Republican caucus. GOP consultant Mike Madrid, who worked with McCarthy when he served in the state assembly, says as speaker, McCarthy is likely to have one goal. They simply need to be masters at obstructing and slowing things down, and I think Kevin's probably quite capable of that. After the FBI raid on Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago, McCarthy told Attorney General Merrick Garland to prepare for oversight hearings if Republicans control the House. And Madrid is sure McCarthy will keep that promise. I think you'll probably see an effort to impeach the president, Joe Biden. I think you'll probably see an effort to impeach Merrick Garland. Mark Sandalo with the University of California's Washington, D.C. Center, says it might be tough for McCarthy to keep his members together, especially do-or-die Trump loyalists and a growing number of members who embrace QAnon conspiracy theories. There's a group of maybe three dozen Freedom Caucus members who are willing to go sort of off the deep end on conservative issues. They're willing to shut down government, not raise the debt ceiling. McCarthy has never been one of those. Sandalo says the challenge for McCarthy, especially with a small majority, is that he lacks trust with the far right wing of his caucus. Nancy Pelosi has the credibility to go to the left and say, my heart's with you. Trust me on this. Kevin McCarthy does not have that credibility with the right. That lack of trust stems from things like the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. McCarthy took to the House floor that day and roundly condemned it, and by implication, President Trump. The violence, destruction, and chaos we saw earlier was unacceptable, undemocratic, and un-American. 
As Speaker, Nancy Pelosi has directed federal aid to California for things like protecting the Sacramento Delta or public transit. But it's unclear if McCarthy will keep California top of mind. In fact, says Ivy Cargill, political science professor at CSU Bakersfield, McCarthy hasn't shown much interest in helping Kern County address its many problems like poverty and bad water quality. Unfortunately, the air quality in the area is also very bad. I personally have not seen Mr. McCarthy discuss these issues. Assuming he does have a small majority, McCarthy might need to cut deals with Democrats to get things done. Dan Schnur says that could have an unanticipated outcome, more bipartisanship. He's a really good people person. He's very smart at reading a room and reading an individual. And as a result, he's actually like Biden. Whether the most conservative members of his caucus would even allow cooperation with the White House is another question. In any case, McCarthy as Speaker will likely have a very short leash, with more conservative Republicans waiting in the wings if he stumbles. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer. The Shasta County Clerk's Office in Redding was calm on election night compared to rowdy conditions during the June 2022 primary election. Roman Battaglia from Jefferson Public Radio reports. The largely Republican county in far northern California has been the subject of national attention since the takeover of the County Board of Supervisors by a far-right majority earlier this year. Despite an angry mob showing up in June after several extremist candidates lost their elections, heightened security measures and support for poll workers seems to have contributed to a more relaxed atmosphere this time. Madison Zimmerman is a member of the Shasta County Democratic Women's Club. We want the staff here to know that there are people in the community who support them, who um, believe in the process, and to hopefully deter people to show up. Zimmerman and several other supporters showed up with signs saying, we love the Shasta County Elections Department. As of Wednesday, County Clerk Kathy Darling-Allen says thousands of ballots have yet to be counted, and the final results may not be available for a few weeks. For the California Report, I'm Roman Battaglia in Reading. Patience is a virtue, or so the saying goes, and voters across California are getting plenty of opportunity to be virtuous as they wait on results from several high-profile mayoral races. In Los Angeles, real estate developer Rick Caruso remains a few percentage points ahead of Congresswoman Karen Bass. The Los Angeles County Clerk's Office said the next update will be issued on Friday. Further north, in San Jose, City Council member Matt Mahan is almost 5,000 votes ahead in the race for mayor. His opponent, Cindy Chavez, currently sits on the Santa Clara County Board of Supervisors and is a former vice mayor of San Jose. Voter Ann Wynn says he usually avoids politics but wanted to make a difference. He supports Mahan because... I love his... Consistency, his accountability, his authenticity. I don't trust politics, but I trust man. And in Oakland, the field of 10 mayoral candidates is down to three. City Council members Lauren Taylor and Shang Tao and former council member Ignacio de la Fuente. As of 1 a.m. Wednesday, Taylor led by a couple thousand votes. De La Fuente is in a distant third. Alameda County elections officials said they will release more results sometime today. Support for the California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system on the web at chcf.org health dash equity. Guideline. Their automated 401k plans can be set up in 20 minutes. More at guideline.com slash CA. Guideline, the California way to 401k.
and Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute. Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel FALCOR-2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration, on the web at schmidtocean.org. And that's the California Report for Thursday, November 10th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Mati Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. In regional news, a local story that captured the imagination of media outlets far and wide lost a little of its spark when local fire investigators said that a Smartsville house fire Friday night was probably not caused by a meteorite. Firefighters are continuing to investigate the cause of the fire off Inglebright Dam Road. A widely viewed Facebook video showing a bright flash streak across the sky and multiple other eyewitness accounts pushed the narrative that a meteorite hit the residence of a man identified as Dustin Proceda. Proceda was interviewed over the weekend on KCRA 3 television in Sacramento. He said the house was destroyed by the fire, which also killed one of his dogs, named Tug. Penn Valley Fire Protection District Captain Clayton Thomas told the Union newspaper of Grass Valley that the idea of a small meteor causing the fire is unrealistic. He continued, A meteor is a very poor source of ignition to begin with. A very large meteor could cause a fire, but it would leave evidence of that. NASA wrote on its Facebook page Saturday, There are numerous reports on the American Meteor Society website of a fireball seen last evening in the Pacific States at 7.28 p.m. The fireball was traveling around 32,000 miles per hour, the NASA post said. It added that the fireball fragmented 28 miles above the town of Callahan in Siskiyou County. In the Union story, Captain Thomas said, NASA is saying that they don't believe that anything struck the ground at that time. NASA said the meteor spotted over California was not part of the torrid meteor shower, which has been active over parts of the state. The November snowstorms have delivered, and Sierra Ski Resorts have announced they will open earlier than anticipated. After upwards of two feet of snow fell in the first half of the week, Heavenly and Kirkwood Resorts and North Star California will open Saturday, officials told the Sierra Sun newspaper in a story today. Mount Rose Ski Tahoe already announced it would open Friday, and Palisades Tahoe said it would open on November 18th, weather and conditions permitting. Here's a reminder that the United Way of Nevada County is continuing its coat donation drive through December 16th. This collection drive for coats, hats, gloves, and socks will help households and individuals stay warm during the winter months. Items can be dropped off at many locations in the community, including the Rood Center, South Yuba Club, B&C, and Hills Flat Lumber. Turning to the regional weather forecast, the National Weather Service has issued a frost advisory for much of northern and central California, including the Sierra foothills, through 9 a.m. Friday. Temperatures of 30 to 38 degrees could kill sensitive outdoor vegetation. Nevada City and Grass Valley are expected to have increasing clouds tonight with patchy fog at times and a low of 32. Friday will be mostly cloudy, then gradually clearing, with a high near 52. Friday night is expected to have a low of 34 and a chance of showers after 5 a.m. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe tonight, increasing clouds with a low around 13. Friday will be partly sunny, with a high near 43 and nighttime lows in the mid-teens. 
In Sacramento and Woodland tonight, increasing clouds with a low around 38. Friday will be mostly cloudy, then gradually sunnier with a high near 58. Friday evening will have increasing clouds and a low of 42. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. The early snow we experienced this week might have brought back traumatic memories of last December's so-called Snowmageddon event and made some of us want to hug our generators. KVMR's Julia Jem ventured out to take the temperature of the community as another winter looms ahead. Last year's snow event took Nevada County by storm. Over 30,000 residents were without power. Hundreds of trees were reported down across county roads, and dozens of them also fell on the homes of residents. People were running out of heating gas, had no electricity, and many also had no firewood. Law enforcement responded to over 900 calls. Cars stuck in ditches, life-giving medical equipment unable to function without power, and elderly individuals vulnerable and afraid in their cold, dark homes, while tree after tree fell with the intensity of thunder all around them. Well, that was last year. What about this year? This week, I asked residents of Grass Valley and Nevada City two questions how they fared during 2021 snowstorm, and how they're preparing differently, if at all, for this upcoming winter. We've been here 20, 20 years, and that's the first time it's really been that significant in that length of time. Uh, luckily, just prior to that, uh, because of the uh, power outages we've been having for the last couple of years because of fires in the late season. I'd installed a generator, so that helped because then we weren't out of power for that period of time. So, so, but I'm not doing anything extra in preparation for any future snowstorms at this time. How did you hold up during last winter's snowstorm? Uh, it wasn't easy. We, do, we did get a generator because of a problem either the winter before or the winter before that, so we were able to have enough power to run our refrigerator and our TV and a couple lights. Um, so we were kind of prepared for that, so we had the minimum of what we needed. We have a wood-burning stove, and so we were able to use that to keep heat in at least one room of the house. Um, we were housebound for a long time because we couldn't get out. What we should have done as a result of that was gotten chains and learned how to put them on our car, but we didn't do that. Is that something that you'll do next, or this, this upcoming winter? Well, the issue I have is that my husband has to do it, and he doesn't really want to do it either. Um, last year, we were snowed in for quite a bit, and without power, power companies had a little trouble getting to us for the same reason that the roads were kind of... Anyway, we had enough food in the house that we were able to... So what have we done to change that? I'm sorry to say, I don't think we've done anything. I held up for four days, okay, and then the house became too cold, and once the road was cleared, I was able to go down to Auburn and stay at my brother's house. And are you going to do anything, or have you done anything, to prepare for this winter's possible snowstorms? I was scheduled last year to have a generator appointment to have them come in and that was scheduled for mid-January so I do have a generator now to prepare for next year. On the 29th of December we drove up towards Grass Valley from Riverside 
We were told by neighbors, don't come, your driveway, you can't come up. I have a very steep driveway and there was snow on it. So for two, so it took us three days to come from Riverside, California up to Grass Valley. We finally arrived on the, I think it was in the 30th, yes. And um, we got in because my neighbor was kind enough to have someone clear the driveway. Got in and here she is coming from Southern California, coming into this snowstorm. And we looked around, we said, well, it doesn't, coming up line kill, it wasn't too bad. But coming into our area and saw that, we said, oh my God, it was terrible. And of course, we had some trees down. And uh, so she moved in with two doggies and we unloaded her car. We were supposed to get a big truck coming a few days later, but we unloaded her car and her little dogs had never seen snow. They jumped out of the car and jumped in the snow and one of them went away. But we found it, we, we got there. So we came in and we lived, we had no electricity, and we were there for nine days. With, and unfortunately, I had not gotten wood from my fireplace ahead of time. I was just going to wait. So we had very little, but we were able to, to get enough for, for nine days. So we had wood, and we had a fire, we had headlights, and we could just wait, and I had a propane stone so we could cook. Nine days of that. Oh, my daughter had to work. And she had no power for internet. So she went down to the library in Nevada City and uh, it was great. They were very kind and they gave them all kind of nice stuff and she could work from there. They had awesome. the internet. So, and is there anything that you are doing um, this year to prepare for this winter? I'm getting storms? wood very soon. <laughs> yes, I still have it. I have a lot, but that's what we're getting. Yes. And other than that, no. And now, Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, Observations from a Working Poet Small towns have their own rhythms of excitement, you may have noticed. Events that change the daily patterns and interactions. When I lived in Stinson Beach, it was minor earthquakes or high tides that covered Route 1 and flooded the houses closest to shore. You usually can't feel an earthquake when you're driving, which is why one day I blithely rolled into town to find everyone outdoors looking alarmed. The bookstore and firehouse had emptied. The surf shop. People left their lunches half-eaten at the parkside. I was mystified. This was before cell phones, so no one was scrolling. They were looking at the sky and telling each other their earthquake stories. A small crack in the asphalt near the center yellow line had appeared, but no one remembered if it had been there the day before. You get some random shifting when a town is built on pine needles and sand. Today in Nevada City, a town built on pine needles and granite, the power is on after a snowy, sleety couple of days, and pear ginger muffins are emerging from the kitchen at Three Forks. People are gathered in from the cold, discussing the election, how much snow they got at what elevation, and isn't it great that fire season's over? Privately, I don't think fire season will ever be over again, but I kept mum. Far be it for me to dash anyone's hopes. I have many opinions, but a poet's actual job is to observe, not to lecture. I'll describe the smoke. You may draw your own conclusions. Likewise, I have nothing useful to say about elections. I did vote, and you probably know how I voted, but the work of helping people all over the world to be safer and healthier invariably continues. 
Paying my bills this morning gave me a tiny soupçon of excitement right there in the living room, though. After 53 years of resentment, I sent 25 bucks to my old grammar school. This is the place that didn't realize or ignored the signs in the late 1960s that I was being molested at home, despite my acting out in large and small ways. Their plea for donations brought back an impossibly stupid joke our seventh grade English teacher played on somebody, and I couldn't stop laughing. Jim Irwin was handsome, which belied a goofy interior, and kind of a tennis star, too, so he got away with a lot. I've forgotten who he played the joke on, but it had to be a popular male student with a good sense of humor. This kind of thing could go so wrong. We were milling around for some reason, and Mr. Irwin ran his hand under the spigot in the classroom sink. Then he walked up behind whoever it was and faked a big achoo, spraying the victim's neck with the water. Mixed shrieks of disgust and glee, depending on where you were watching from, as the outraged kid turned to find Mr. Irwin in stitches and started laughing too. So dumb and gross and silly as ridiculous as a fart joke. That memory and the unexpected belly laugh suddenly seemed worth $25, as well as remembering that times change, and so can we. Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That's our newscast for Thursday, November 10th. KVMR Community Radio gets support from our valued listeners and from Carmen's Garden and Greenhouse, locally owned since 2012 on Loma Rica Drive, Grass Valley, stocking greenhouse coverings and components, down-to-earth amendments, IPM products, and more. Open Monday through Friday, 10 to 5, K-A-R-M-E-N-S, garden.com. And Ben Franklin Crafts, locally owned and offering the beauty and color of fall for arts and crafts, home decor, school projects, and knitting. Ben Franklin Crafts on Sutton Way, Grass Valley. Online at benfranklin-crafts.com. This is Joyce Miller signing off. Please join us Friday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.